one other thing that um, popped up on my Facebook memories a few days ago was something that, that Becky posted. <laughs> Becky um, in the dog cage. In the cage! My in-laws, this did not happen. Oh, this yeah. did not happen. <laughs> yep. There definitely wasn't a person yes, who was in a cage. No, yeah. <laughs> Certainly not, no. No, and if they were, we would have fed them with macaroni and cheese, definitely. Yeah, poured it through the roof of the cage. Hello there. My name is Kit Rackley, my pronouns are they, them, and this is Coffee and Geography. The aim of the show is to get to know, explore and celebrate the diverse and intersectional range of people on this rock we call home and their love and passions of it. We'll find out why guests identify as geographers and if they don't exactly, we'll have fun exploring all the myriad of ways that connects their life to geography. So, pour your favourite brew, get cosy and listen in. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPot. Off we go. Hi everyone, I was stuck on a plane with these for hours, stuck in the Rocky Mountains with them for 10 days, stuck in a classroom with them for five years, sort of. Um, what on earth am I doing inviting a bunch of ex-high school students onto a podcast? Well, <laughs> ganging up on me like old times, Tom, Nathan, Emma and Rowanna. Please go easy on me, guys, please. <laughs> <laughs> no chance <laughs> <laughs> it's just and they're like yes just like old times <laughs> yeah we've got we've got a lot of revenge to take oh, oh no <laughs> i knew oh, this was a bad idea well usually i introduce the guests here but i'm gonna go straight into a bit of fun and see if you can guess who is who right Ooh. so here is just one line from each of your bios uh whom it belongs to can stay silent or bluff it's entirely up to you okay right so here's the first person. First person, this is going to be an easy one. First person, this person is a fourth year medical student, interested in teaching, loves getting outdoors and exploring. Who's that one? I mean, that's, I mean, there's two, there's two fourth years here and it's not me. That's Nathan, right? Yeah. Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Nathan, would you like to add anything to your intro just, or just to say hi? Yeah, no, just a hello really. Um, I'm quite looking forward to the teaching. I'm taking a year out next year from it and doing a um, oh. clinical education master's, so something a bit different, but I, I don't want the responsibility, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, already one up on me there, mate. Uh, right. So, um, and of course, Coffee and Geography is the name of the podcast. Do you have a, a drink with you or is it just water or something? Are you being like a proper med student? No, I'm, of course, I'm a proper med student. I've got coffee. No, I've got coffee. Like a med student would, yeah. What you got? <laughs> Uh, I've just got some Kenko Rich Blend um, coffee. All right. That's going on the map. Right. Here's the next person, right? And this one's probably easy as well. <laughs> this person spends most of their spare time reading Wikipedia articles from hours on end. Muzzy. Muzzy. <laughs> Muzzy. Yeah. Okay, Tom. So anything to... What's the last one you read? You've got me bang to write. No, that is absolutely me. <laughs> oh, what is the last Wikipedia article I read? <laughs> I think it was I think it was one about linguistics. It was something to do with the um it was it was to do with comparative linguistics and the evolution of languages in Southeast Asia. I promise I have Ooh. a life as well sometimes. Oh. <laughs> that was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. 
So, Tom, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think you should be ashamed of that at all because I think linguistics is, uh, mm. is really interesting. Now, <clears throat> yeah, because you're a postgraduate historian, and uh, you know, your your interest is modern uh, Eastern Europe, Middle East, particularly 19th century Balkans. But it sounds like you dabble in a bit of uh, uh, Southeastern Asia there too. Yeah, there was something that came up um, a bit in my course this year, and I found it very interesting. Started looking into it more. And what have you got? What's uh, brew have you got with you? Uh, I mean, the the thing that I'm actually drinking at the moment is just a gigantic bottle of water. But I did have some very nice hot chocolate just now. It was a Turkish delight Wittard. Ah, oh, nice. Mm. Okay, that sounds delicious. Mm, it's really good. Right. But you're not. You're never going to top one of the ones I had. Um, episode fourteen. I had the privilege of um, interviewing or chatting to the Indian actor Adil Hussain, you know, who play who was in the life of Pi and, and um, Star Trek Discovery and stuff like that. And his wife made him a beautiful Assam tea. And like yeah. he showed it the camera it was as golden as anything. And oh I said to Adil, if he ever comes over to the UK again, he's got to bring some of that tea with him. Bring no, bring his wife with him and yeah. just get her to make the tea because that would be amazing. <laughs> but at that time, that is a candidate. That is a candidate. That is that's <laughs> that sounds lovely. Right. Okay. Next person. Uh, this person is an artist, dancer, walker, lover of planet Earth, and burritos. And I would add a lover of Biscoff biscuits to that too. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Emma. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> Emma, before you add to anything to your intro, you've got to explain that for everybody. Um, well, Biscoff—I'm not sure I can explain it. It's—it's it's a love. It's a love that can't be linguistically explained. Um, It's—it uh, started on the flight to America. Like it has to just be felt. Yeah, it's, it's a felt sense. Um, on Del- yeah, my first experience with Biscoff was on Delta Airlines on the way to America, and um, <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah, yes, indeed. If you've ever flown in on an aircraft and you just get those biscuits, we, we you know you're talking like top quality snack there, yeah. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. nothing like paper or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so Emma, there's, there's something we'll come back to you and talk about because there's some fascinating research that you're doing at the moment, which is going to be close to a lot of people's hearts who are listening to this about um, how you're kind of combining what you're doing with um, embodied movement and how it can be um, used to build up empowerment and agency against uh, the climate crisis. And that's something I think we'll touch on a bit later because that just sounds so fascinating. And that's like an episode in itself, but we'll try and we'll try and dip into it. And Emma, what what are you drinking? Um I was drinking chai tea. Uh, if I shout out dragonfly tea, will they send me free tea? Is that how podcasts work? <laughs> I, it, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> like the, the folks at Yorkshire Tea, I mean, if you've ever seen the Yorkshire Tea social media account, they're having none of it. Uh, but I'll keep trying. Well, it's delicious. I recommend it nonetheless. And also dragonfly tea are a very good ethical tea company. Indian spice chai. Yeah, we all love that. Now, this is, you know, we're not leaving the, um, you're definitely not least. We're definitely leaving um, you last, though, because I think you're the most mature and level-headed, right? And what you said in your bio was perfect, is I'm just a human figuring things out as they go. I really didn't know what to put, so I was just <laughs> <laughs> So like out of all the bios I got, like yours was just like the absolute perfectly mature straight one. You're like, I'm just a human. I do things. I like to go picking up litter. Yeah, that's me. 
<laughs> so you got a little picking today or is it a bit too wet and windy for you? Um, well, I've <laughs> been at, at work for most of today, so I haven't done. But I mean, during lockdown, I've been doing more because working from home, I sort of, you know, my daily walk, I do some litter picking. So at the moment, it's more confined to weekends now that I'm commuting again. Well, thank you for your efforts there. And um, we have a, we have another litter picker in the group, don't we? Someone who actually did it to raise money for a said trip. And uh, you can still find the article about that in the EDP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> EDP, everybody, is the Eastern Daily Press. It's the... Uh... Oh, good. Yes, I've completely <laughs> forgotten uh... those articles. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'll leave everybody to do their own investigation and digging in to see that lovely picture of you. So what was you when you went on the trip? You were year nine. So you were, were you thirteen, fourteen when you went on the trip? You and Nathan. I think we're thirteen. So, yeah, yeah, thirteen. Oh my goodness, were you ever that young? <laughs> right. Okay. So, <laughs> so Ray, what do you have in? What have you been drinking all this time? So I, um, I've recently made a bit of a transition to non-dairy milk because you know small steps and so what i have here is a large mug of um oat milk with some hot chocolate powder whisked in it so it's basically chocolate milk but yeah yeah. i'm on the oat milk too in this cup (laughs) 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 well it's okay it's geography teacher i have no idea how the rest of this scrum of a chat is going to go right so all i know is it's going to be fun so um let's tell our listeners what connects us together we've we've been talking about this trip a lot and other than i used to be your high school geography teacher and i alluded into the intro of course that it was the year of the london olympics barack obama won a second term as u.s president crikey that seems like a lifetime ago curiosity rover had landed on mars and you were poor students of a group of 12 who I took on a field trip to the Yellowstone area of the United States of America. Oh, and um, I know you've all said to me, like, you know, it's something that you'll never forget, but that's that's one of my most treasured memories as a teacher ever. Um, you completely wiped me out, but I had no regrets and it was like the best experience ever. It was the absolute accolade of my teaching. And I just want to yeah. say thank you to you and everybody for being a part of that treasured memory that I will take forever. And um, thank you for bringing us along on it. <laughs> Oh, bless you, Tom. Um, and, you know, one of, the, one of the features for this podcast is called Jog Your Memory. It's usually just like a little mini segment of the whole podcast, but this whole episode is basically going to be Jog Your Memory, right? Yeah, um, yeah the, there's the puns. You knew, you knew me and my puns. I, I, I've carried them on through the podcast. Um, <laughs> so Tom and Nathan, actually, uh, one of my more treasured, treasured memories of the trip um was actually gauging all of your reactions when you woke up on the first day um because we arrived in bozeman late the previous night you had no idea of the landscape until the sun came up and tom and nathan you two in particular couldn't stop staring out of the window while you were trying to eat your breakfast hello hi breakfast um it's our first day it's our first day in montana and um william we arrived really late last night, so we didn't actually see any of the scenery. So it was quite a shock to wake up and see all of the mountains around us, which is quite good. So, uh, Nathan, let's go with you first. Just tell everybody, like, when you woke up on that first morning and you were trying to eat your breakfast, looking out from the house window, what what was you thinking? What was you feeling? Um, I mean, it was just the craziest view. Um uh, Norfolk's pretty flat, isn't it? Um, and that was anything but flat where we were. Um, so it was probably like the furthest thing from home I've ever had. Um, 
you know um <laughs> yeah he's just so hilly i've never seen so big a hills and you know you couldn't see the top hardly from where you sat yeah, and Tom, you were sitting there with Nathan, weren't you? What, what, what were you two talking about, about the view? I think, I, I, I forget what we exactly said, but it was just fundamentally a sort of view that we had, or at least I had just never seen before. And to think that it was just out of a house window, as if it was just a perfectly <laughs> normal bit of, oh, this is just, that's just what the outside looks like here. <laughs> yeah, and the bring, to, to make sure people know what's going on here. So what I actually did is that we stayed in my in-laws second house and I keep joking that I only married my wife just to get access to the house right <laughs> so so basically this house is where all the family gets together on my father-in-law's side and it's like got eight bedrooms and it's it used to be um the abode of my wife's grandfather who was a professor at Montana State University um who did a lot of work in Yellowstone area and yeah we just use it as a, a, a family house get together and then when i i jokingly asked the families like oh this would be a great place to bring a field trip of kids ha 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 laugh 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 and then my my wife's aunt actually said you know what that'll be such an awesome idea you should do that and i was like yeah and then and then you you lot didn't know that that's what my plan was when i got you to come to those extracurricular classes so uh, that I had that in plan for you, and you were the the the, the twelve who hang on, or all those dropped out, kicking themselves now. I think we just thought that you just wanted people to just write worksheets for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did help me write a few schemes of work and lessons, didn't you? And I and I still use them as examples of what people should do, you know. But it's amazing. You you all helped me with oh the glaciers one about what would happen with glaciers and climate change for a year seven debate lesson and we i still use that as an example of uh, good practice when i do my teacher training so you've got legacy you got legacy nice yeah so what about you emma what was when when you kind of like saw that for the first time what was what was your thoughts i think it was that first night that i heard a, a coyote oh. maybe maybe it wasn't the first night but and regardless i was just amazed by the surroundings and um the light this the light really stays with me something about um that and the is the kind of sweeping grasses surrounding the house um yeah and how they would move with the breeze oh oh that's taking me right back there now how about <laughs> you Rana? yeah you're nodding Rana. Yeah, that image of a grass really stays with me. And I think for me, the idea of the landscape as a whole and the hills that were unlike anything I'd seen, but also going down to the like the micro level almost, and even looking at the trees and being like, that's that's a weird tree, that's not what I'm used to and just being so aware that there was so much in the landscape that was just completely different yeah, there's um, some cottonwoods we've got there oh, I'll have to ask my wife what the other ones I think there's some alders, but yeah it's, um, it is an incredible landscape and just to describe it, I'll, I'll put some links so you can see some pictures of what we're talking about obviously, but if you look out the main windows down the valley, it's a glacial trough valley, so your quintessential U-shaped valley and you've got the Bridger, Bridger Mountains on the, the right of the house, which is kind of the west of the house. And you've got the bang tails on the east of the house. So you're kind of like almost 
are surrounded by these and then in the distance looking down the valley which kind of heads towards bozeman the town you then have in the distance have these mountain ranges in the distance called the spanish peaks and things like that and it's just um so yeah to bring you you lot there seven years later which is was incredible i was just delighted to share that with you on the gorilla that's the gorilla yeah. oh did you get to see it I think did you spot it i can't remember if i spotted it but i remember it the rocks in the shape of the gorilla Oh, do you remember? Yeah, Tom, Tom's got a bit of a curious look yes. on his face. <laughs> the penny has dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm remembering it now. It's, fin- it's finally just coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you remember what the story behind it was, though? Any of you? Oh, okay. So it's, it's, a, for- it's a rock formation in, in, in the hills behind the house. And when my wife and her cousins were all very, very young, they looked at this rock formation up there and, and they thought they could see the face of a gorilla, you know, as a child's imagination would be able to do. And then, um, and then, yeah, so, and it's become like a, a, a mythical kind of symbol creature of, which overlooks the valley, overlooks the house as good luck and stuff like that. And it's called the gorilla and it's, and it's, it's there forevermore. It's like, like the spirit of the, of the, I don't know what the actual hill or, mountain is called but it's called gorilla mountain with a family but yeah and if you could spot it you're special so so emma you're 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 forever your soul is forever entwined now with that valley um the rest the other three you're just gonna have to come visit again and see if you can see it (laughs) i think i remember looking at where it was meant to be and kind of (laughs) not really seeing it but i guess the feeling very much now is there's a gorilla in them there hills. <laughs> there's a gorilla in them there hills. <laughs> but I tell you what, um, I can't. I, I'm not going to put a picture of it for other people to see because it is that sacred. So the fact that you you were at least in may its not presence. Be a gorilla in them there hills. Well, well, yeah, it's kind of like the rocky version of Sasquatch or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right so obviously it can it in no way shape or form like can bear comparison to south norfolk so so you're all from the kind of south norwich south norfolk area which is where you went to school where i taught you so you're all in different parts of the united kingdom now and so let's have a little bit of chat with regards to south norfolk as a place you're from kind of like have you taken the norfolk with you to where you are now and like and is there any little piece of of Bozeman, of Yellowstone that you've brought with you. So, so I don't know. I mean, anyone wants to start? Like, where are you now? How much Norfolk is still in you? Well, I'll uh, I'll make a start, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I moved to Hull, and I've as so I moved for university, and I stayed afterwards. And I think the biggest, most obvious part of Yellowstone that I took with me is one of my uh, photos that I took while we were there. Mm. Is um, a hanging in my living room as a canvas and i've also got the photo album and do you guys remember that jigsaw that oh. we were completing while we were there i've got the jigsaw piece that i oh, took yeah. home oh remember uh, yeah so those are the main things um but as to norfolk i i don't really know other than the fact that when people hear me speak they know i'm not from hull and <laughs> <laughs> hey, there <laughs> see if i get this on the camera Ah, uh, yeah. That's yeah. one of your pictures. So everybody, I'm showing picture. Nice. So I've got this giant Yellowstone book from our trip, and that is a picture of a swallowtail butterfly that Rowanna took uh, when we was on a hike. Yeah. That's a nice link between Norfolk and Yellowstone. Both have swallowtails. The swallowtail butterflies. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point, actually. Yeah. That's why I was so fascinated when I saw them. I was like, 
Oh, ah, Swallowtail! <laughs> yeah. ah. Wait, Ro, Ro, wasn't it you that did a study of huh? swallowtail butterflies in a Norfolk Broads? Yeah, that, yeah, made a little Yay. poster, yeah. Oh, I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was so awesome. Yeah, so, oh, if you, I've, I, I must admit, ever since the house move, I, I, uh, I don't know if I should admit this, but I cannot find the puzzle piece anymore, my one. Um, <laughs> But at least I still have the puzzle. So I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, what's really, really lovely, when people get it out of the house. Uh, that's the important bit. Yeah, that's the important bit, yeah. And when people come back to the house uh, and they do the puzzle, there's, the note is still in there to say there is actually this many missing pieces and this is the reason why. Mm. And it's lovely. So people do the puzzle, but they find out like about what, you know the trip as well, which is fantastic. And all your posters and stuff are still are still dotted around the house. So uh Aww. So yeah, so you're you're uh, you definitely brought the Norfolk up to hole then uh, then Ro. Possibly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. I remember a few years ago, I was um, I had a, a little day out in Beverly near near to Hull, and I was waiting for my bus, and I just was talking to a lady at the bus stop, and she sort of just said, "Oh, you're not from around here, are you?" Well, no, <laughs> I'm from well, I'm from Norfolk, sort of natively, you know. She said, "Oh, I thought I heard that in your voice." And I was sort of thinking, "How? How does she know?" Um, yeah, and then my bus came. <laughs> so, what a mystery! <laughs> okay, which one of the other three of you have had that same experience, just solely on your voice? Nope. Where you are Nothing now? Nothing like that whatsoever. Yeah, no, people always say that I've got an accent. I swear I don't have an accent. I I have quite like I think no, I think I have quite a normal voice, but everyone everyone at uni seems to think that I've got a bit <laughs> yeah. of an accent going on. Um, but maybe that's just because they they haven't heard the uh, proper. You've North got you've got a bit of an accent. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, not bit nothing much. Yeah. <laughs> so what? Uh, so where are you? So tell everybody where you are now, Nathan, and and how much of the the Norfolk or the Yellowstone you've taken up up with you. Um, so I'm uh, down in Plymouth, um, and I've taken quite a lot of Norfolk with me because I will not stop moaning about every hill I have to walk up. Um, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's that that's my favourite pastime down there. Um, I hate the hills, um, and nobody else gets by. But I don't think anyone else has lived anywhere so flat. So that's my what that's my mood. bit of Norfolk I've taken what down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Mood, do not play mood. Do not play you there. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but you did a great job like hiking the mountains and stuff in fact you were one of the ones who went on that voluntary li- little trip up the uh up Sacagawea mountain we'll, we'll talk about a bit of that later but um <laughs> but uh all right we'll, we'll finish we'll finish with tom because tom's the one who's not moved that far away so um what about you emma so where where are you now i mean uh, you you weren't that it wasn't that long ago that you actually were still in norfolk i believe because there was a couple of times we bumped into each other when you were doing some of your art stuff but um what are you yeah. up to now where are you up to now well i'm in brighton now um i'm just finishing my master's but i'm doing it mainly remotely i was in london last year doing my master's and now i'm in my second year my sister lives down here and i've got some friends down here so it made sense so i guess that's a bit of norfolk my sister um but she moved here first so technically <laughs> yeah um <laughs> I'm Herbert of Norfolk. <laughs> she, she she paved the Norfolk ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. Yellowstone, it's a Yellowstone. Um, photos, definitely. Um, just like always banging on about it. Still. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> 
So then, Muzzy. So first of all, not only, well, I mean, you're the one out of all of us who should have moved the farthest, yes. you know, because you're a traitor. You went and did history rather than geography at degree. <laughs> so you needed to run as far away <laughs> to the hills as possible. Absolutely. But then again, I know how good at you are at making connections and, you know, and drawing interdependence That's and stuff like that and interconnections. So I'll forgive you, you know. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's... Um, I've I, I've I've been to Cambridge many times. I've got friends in Cambridge, but um, would would you therefore say there's like, do you feel there's like a distinctness between say Cambridge here in Norfolk, or are they very very similar places in your opinion? In terms of um, in terms of walking around the countryside, it's pretty similar. There's um, there's the fens just north of Cambridge, which are just large amounts of flat places that used to be under the sea. We've got quite a lot of those in Norfolk as well. Cambridge is a very unique sort of city. Um, with a very unique uh, land use model, as I can remember from my controlled assessments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> year ten, year eleven. Um, um, but in terms of the, um, in terms of being from Norfolk, it's not something that has really, I think, been picked up on by very many people at all here. I'm, I don't think I've got the most distinctive of Norfolk accents. I mean, when I was at school, everyone was saying, "Oh, you sound like you're from Yorkshire," because my uh, parents <laughs> being from there. Um, in terms of um, stuff from Yellowstone, though, um, so I don't actually have very much stuff here with me at the moment in my uni room. Um, I'm actually about to move out tomorrow and then move into a new place down in London uh, because I'm going to be doing a PhD at Queen Mary University oh. in London, which oh is uh, yeah quite exciting. Um, but I do still have quite a few things from the Yellowstone trip. I've got a drawer at home where I keep all of my sort of my my things from earlier in my life, my sort of. Oh. Um, treasured memories and things like that and there's the jigsaw piece there's a bunch of the flint arrowheads and obsidian stuff oh, yeah. that um that we all bought in the gift shop at the um edge of the park and um then there is also something else that i brought home which this might be illegal so can you edit can you edit this out of the podcast if it turns out that i've actually committed a crime here um, i make no guarantees there, uh, you took and, history and <laughs> when we went to the wolf sanctuary there was a bunch of wolf hair on the floor um, by one of the fences, and I, I picked it up for no good reason at all because I was an insane thirteen-year-old. <laughs> I took it back with me, and I've still got that wolf hair. I don't know whether that counts as I smuggling or I've whether it breaches some, some rules or not. But... <laughs> no, I don't. I think you're fine. Well, I think we've all got a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, we've all got a bit. And in fact, Mary, Martha, and Chris were was dishing it out, weren't, weren't they? They were saying, "Well, the wolves are molting. Yeah, have some wolf fur." Aha, they were the criminals. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. actually, shout out to Mary Martha and to, and to Chris Bond, because uh, you, you, I think you're all aware that they've, they've moved on now. In fact, they're in um, Maserich in um, the Netherlands now. Uh, and I'm trying to twist Chris's arm to come on the show. So, Chris, this is now, now you've yeah. got, yeah, come, right. Everybody egg, egg Chris on. Come on. Oh, you got it, Chris. Come on, Chris. <laughs> but we all yeah. we all yeah. send our regards to you and the family. Yeah. And, emotional, uh, emotional manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to come and stick up for your side of the story now. Yeah, too right. And all. <laughs> yeah, the challenge has been laid down. Right, that's pretty cool. It's it's lovely to hear what you're all doing and 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 just really making making you know a life for yourselves. And it just makes me feel so old, but so proud as well. Uh, what you're all getting up to. So. Uh, yeah, so lovely. Um, right, let's let's talk a little bit about more of your quirks, right? And we'll try and weave in the trip a little bit here. So, um, right, I'm going to get num numbers one to four. What numbers one to four, right? 
And what each of these are is that these are little bits about the trip, but um, you're, you're going to try and guess which ones relate to your quirks, right? Some of them are more obvious. Some of them I've had to try and make a very tenuous link. Um, <laughs> I've done my best. So I'll tell you what, Rana, why don't you pick a number between one and four for us? Oh, it's got to be two. Number two. Okay. So think about what you wrote in your bios on the, on the Google form, right? So this one is, um, this is when we went, number two. Behind number two is when we went swimming at Chico Hot Springs. Lovely. Remember that? Oh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> his, 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 uh, his, um, uh, an excerpt from uh, Eleanor and Becky. Their, their, um, their uh, journal entry. Right, as usual, we were ninety-five percent sun cream and five percent person. <laughs> so once we were back from town, a swim in Chico was welcomed. Despite being a magma-heated pool like the hot springs in Yellowstone, it did a good job in cooling us down to a comfortable temperature. We had to make we had the challenge to make the words FEHS and thanks in the swimming pool. FEHS were fine, but some friction occurred between us and Mix Rackley whether there should be an N to make thanks. And as usual, Mix Rackley got, got their way after threatening not to order our promised American takeaway pizza on the last day. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. So that all got that was nice. So the key bit there is is the swimming in the hot springs. So which one of you four is uh, would that be? I've got a feeling that might be me. Um, I used to spend a lot of my time swimming in swimming pools. I, I used to be a competitive swimmer and do a lot of time training. Um, that was my first um, insight into teaching as well, um, really. By what I've sort of done with you, um, I did. I started as a swim teacher as well, um, and then I started stopped doing my own swimming and started teaching it because it's much easier to teach and tell people to do the hard work <laughs> than it is to do the hard work yeah. yourself. Yeah, those who can't teach, remember? That's why I've made a <laughs> successful career of it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's pretty cool. And so what was your preferred stroke then? Um, I was a backstroker. Ah, oh, I see the lazy one. Oh, that, that, that seems like the most fun. You can actually look at things then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... But this, but what makes me laugh though is that you're this fit, fit and healthy person who like really did competitive swimming, and yet you can't manage a few hills, and yet you, you know, you came on the optional hike with me up to the top of Sacagawea. Well, not the top of Sacagawea. We went to the saddle of Sacagawea, and <clears throat> and let me just tell you, just remind you how high we we was. Our starting elevation, right, was two thousand three hundred thirty-five meters, and our finishing elevation was two thousand seven hundred. And fifty-one meters, so that's an elevation um, gain of about too many of uh, four hundred sixteen meters over one point eight miles. You know, yeah, too many. So, 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 come on, in Plymouth, you know, if your known, friends are listening um, to this, I've just grasped you up. Times the height of Norfolk. <laughs> hundred times. The, well, the school was seventy-five meters, wasn't it? Above sea level, I think. Um, yeah, so Nathan, I've just grasped you up all your friends in Plymouth now. You now can't get away with it. Get him out hiking. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love going out hiking. I love doing it all the time. But yeah, actually, fair enough. Like, secretly, secretly, 
I hate the hills. <laughs> <laughs> fair dues, fair play to you. Right, Nathan, since you since that was you, then you've got numbers uh, one, three, and four. That have to be a four from me. Number four. Okay, so this one is when we did a bit of land use mapping of the town of Bozeman to explore its geographical and <laughs> historical <laughs> patterns. So right here, before you even go anywhere, you'll see you're right at the start. So you need to think about what's here, what's this land use being used for. So you need to look over the street. And as you're walking along, you of course need to mark it with these kind of things and remind you the instructions about there. Now when you get, when you're walking down North 7th, which is a very busy commercial road, you'll come across West Mendenhall Street, and that's where you can pause doing this activity and change it to so, the geocache, which is the other Right, so let's see, who would that be then, I wonder? Yeah. <laughs> ah, he actually stuck his <laughs> arm up. I love who it. Who could that be? Who could that be? Who's the, who, do, who does history here and is victimised for it? <laughs> so let me find, <laughs> let me find the, uh, the journal entry for that. So... Um, this was, uh, oh, Ro, Ro, Ro and you, you and Alice wrote this one. Um, so, for the most part of the afternoon, after eating our lunch, we split off into groups and started plotting a land use transect of different areas of Bozeman. What this means is that we walked a certain route and plotted onto paper the different route types of land use. Each group took a break in the middle to find a geocache. The bear group, I can never say bear without doing it like that because of you. Now, Ro. Bears. <laughs> the bear group found their geocache and wrote in the log. The moose group also found their geocache and were able to swap something for a cute stuffed dog toy. However, the wolf group didn't manage to find their geocache, despite <laughs> using help from the clue. <laughs> I think you were wolves, <laughs> weren't you, Tom? Were you wolves? <laughs> we, we were moose. We, we were team moose. We had a um, oh. we had a whole thing. I don't know whether Nathan remembers it. It was um, hits, um, it, yeah. twice and then collect and then. Stick our hands by our heads uh, like antlers. Yeah, while shouting. Oh, so you would have been a wolf then, uh, then Emma. Yeah, and Nathan, were you a wolf? I can tell you. I was so long <laughs> ago. I can tell you. <laughs> right. So, Tom. Um, so, you know, lots of stuff that you've been doing. We've we've alluded to it already about how you've, uh, you know, a lot of things you've studied have got intricate links and you know you talked about uh dialectically linking things as well and changing places and whatnot so yeah i mean uh tell us a little bit more about uh about perhaps is there the quirkiest thing that you've tried to make two connections between maybe oh what's the weirdest thing that i've made connections between in my studies um i think that probably the weirdest thing that i have written about at uni has been um vampires and the history of vampirism as a phenomenon in, in eastern europe but yeah, so vamp vampirism, um, this essay that I wrote on it, um, had things to do with um, <clears throat> the Habsburg Empire, the Enlightenment, complete changes in political thought, the downfall of the um, Catholic supremacy in Eastern and Southern Europe, and um, uh, also medicine as well. That wow. was one of the weirdest things I have written on, and it was brilliant. It sounds amazing. It sounds absolutely so incredible. I mean, well, you used to do your own little bit of fictional writing, and apparently you've got a couple of novels planned based on Stranger Things. So what for people who don't know what that, what that TV show is, what is Stranger Things, and what are your grand plans for these novels? Because you heard it here first on Coffee and Geography, everybody, when, uh, when Tom becomes a New York Times bestseller. So I've got some plans for novels that are nothing to do with it, but I am also writing a ridiculously long Stranger Things fan fiction, um, my brother looked it up the other day and found out that it is, in fact, the 14th longest on the internet. <laughs> That's only something um, Duncan would do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so it's safe to say that in some ways I haven't had a very productive year of work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, basically, so the show is, um, if you haven't seen it, is about secret government experiments and alternative dimensions and stuff set in uh, 1980s America. And in my weird, weird story, it's become sort of about the 1980s as a whole, about American imperialism, about uh, culture of that time and various other things as well. Um, it's also been an excuse for me to write a lot about 1980s music for no good reason. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, I can't justify any of this. <laughs> that sounds so freaking amazing. And then we, mm. I mean, we, we've only got one person left, and of course that's, that's, that's Emma, and you mentioned the word vampires. Vampires, because Emma, you've, you're, you're uh, re-watching. I mean, I couldn't find a link at all between anything we did in Bozeman and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but... <laughs> I mean. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I've been while writing my thesis and finishing my masters, I've been enjoying Buffy the Vampire Slayer as downtime. Mm. I watched it when I was really young. Like occasionally, I'd watch it, but I'm really enjoying going back to it and uh, just excellent television. Really, Emma, I really, really do want you to talk a little bit about kind of the research you're doing which is amazing because for you the link that I've made is when we did that amazing meditation at Grand Prismatic Springs in Yellowstone mm. plateau. yeah plateau just like covered with water mm. and just with more steam oh it was There's so brilliant. many different colours and textures yeah it was really lovely going at dusk time because all the colours were yeah, just really noticing those so calm. Yeah, we did. I was just gonna say all the steam makeup figures and movements, and that was really yeah. nice to just sit there and watch. And, uh, it's, it was just a really great opportunity to take some pictures, to just remember. It was it was really great. That was like a special, special moment, and because. You know, you, you, you guys being as young as you are and, and you know, and me as well, who, who you knew did does stuff at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, we've all got for our own different reasons. We've got like racing minds and in my case, racing mouths <laughs> that to to be able to just slow down and just absorb the environment and, and the smells and the sounds at Grand Prismatic Springs. It was so, so special. And, um, and so the entry in, in the journal that was, I, I wrote this one, actually, as I said, at school from time to time, I take students outside to just listen. Our eyes are overstimulated these days and the world can be experienced in a whole other dimension using our other senses. In groups, I asked the students to sit and listen at the Midway Geyser Basin and some chose to close their eyes. And actually, Jessica was amazing, um, was very observant with senses, feeling vibrations in the boardwalk and hearing different pictures of moving water. And I've got here, Daniel, Emma, Alice, and I sat on a bench at Grand Prasmetic Springs in a dusk light was absolutely majestic. We must have sat there for at least 10 minutes using all of our senses to the point where we just started to feel inspired to tell mystical stories from what we could see and see shapes in the steam dancing off into the air. That's just lovely. So take us from that point, Emma. You know, you do attune yourself to your surroundings quite a, a lot. And I know that you bring in that kind of feeling into your um, embodied mm. movement. So, oh, it's so nice to be reminded of that, of that memory and, yeah, the te telling stories afterwards. Because um, it's a central theme in my research right now is how we can find um, alternate 
ways or new ways of expressing or talking about climate change um, and ecological destruction um, that come from our bodily kind of experience rather than a kind of analytical uh, more of a I guess like a data centered uh, approach to kind of classifying the climate crisis it's about it's more about um, using the techniques like meditation movement practices in the somatic field to kind of attune one's body to the surroundings and and yeah find new ways of expressing that experience I'm not sure if that makes sense but it's been a continual kind of interest of mine it sounds wonderful and 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 Tom maybe yourself maybe you can relate to this but but my my brain is so so analytical so data driven and god you you guys had seen my spreadsheets and things like that but and i've been doing a lot of work now about trying um you know to push the climate change agenda to be a little bit more visible especially with school leaders but also have this hopeful tone also have this we can do it tone kind of thing and i've been using a lot of my creative writing um to do so and it's just um it's just lovely to to kind of bring that other physical element into it as well Emma because i think i think we do need to approach it with all of our senses with all of our creativity because i think that's going to be the key to solving this issue and um and i spoke to i think it was episode uh, 7 i talked to um dr hannah bloomfield a friend of mine who works at the university of reading as a climate scientist and she was talking about how her mum didn't quite get climate change until a friend of hers had crocheted a scarf using the climate stripes. So all these different shades of blue. And then as she was crocheting the scarf, obviously the scarf got redder and redder and darker redder and darker redder. And there's so many different shades of red as well that finally her mum, when she was presented with this crocheted scarf, thought, oh, now I get it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And Emma, I think I would love, I would absolutely love I've already said I'd love to speak to all of you again one-to-one, uh, -one, but I would really, really love to kind of pick up with you a bit later on down your line with your research because I think, I think that's got a lot, of, a lot of potential and it just sounds so fascinating. Thank you. So the last number is number three, and that is going to be you, Rana, since you're the only one we haven't done yet. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, now, the only connection I can actually come up with was when you lot did conservation work around the house. I personally did work on bird boxes, restoring and putting out new, new bird boxes to try and get um, more wildlife to the area, especially these bluebirds that, they, that are really beautiful. Of course, that all links to what we talked about a bit earlier when you were talking about doing your litter picking. So we've already talked about your litter picking that you do about once a week, right? So it's like, okay. Right, what about the other fact about you that you gave and how could I link that? So the one that I've you've given me is that you're a member of the Beverly Town Handbell Ringers. Now, I can't I can't <laughs> there is nothing in our trip that allows me to to link to that. But at least it got disappointing lack of bells. <laughs> lack of bells. <laughs> but at least at least you can tell us about your uh, your handbell ringing um hobby. Yeah. Yeah, so it's I've been doing it for a few years now, um, and it's something like I did it a bit at primary school. Um, we had some old, aged set of handbells, and I was at a Morris dancing event, and one of the other Morris dancers, their sister, 
was talking about her handbells and she sort of said, oh, and you know, if anyone's interested in joining, fully obviously <laughs> expecting nobody to be interested. I was like, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's sort of two main, uh, I guess, categories of the handbells that we do. There's the 12th bell, which is six people with a small number of bells and, you know, you're just ringing along. Um, but then we also have a, like, the full band, which is like a four octave set, ranging from bells that are, like, smaller than your fist, like cool. half the size, <laughs> to bells that are bigger than your head. <laughs> Nice. And we're all, you know, arranged around the table, and oh, the sound is amazing. <laughs> but we do off-table ringing. So whereas a lot of the time you'll see people holding the bells upright and just like ringing them, we have them all laid out on tables, and you pick them up and ring them, and often you'll then put them down in such a way that it it creates a really different sound. Like you can hear mm. the kind of it's almost like a whoom kind of noise. I don't know. It's, hmm. it's interesting. <laughs> oh, that sounds really interesting. Right. Okay. Well, so I keep saying that I'm going to get like all of you on individually at some point, which is great. So, so what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to try and sneak a recording, and then uh, and then we'll have to play that when when we do a one to one off it, right? Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent. So there we are. That's that's all, all our all our quirks. Well, just some of them. <laughs> <laughs> we got a few minutes left, so. I'm going to step back for a little bit now and just give you for a bit of free free reign, a bit of a bit of free time now. Is there anything you want to ask each other or is there anything you want to reminisce about or whatever it is, you just kind of go out. Let me just open the floor to you for. Definitely the barbecue incident. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to have to I think elaborate. I know what you're talking about. Does nobody else remember hiding the barbecue sauce in the barbecue on um, one of those times with the... Um, one of the meals that we had, and Kit absolutely losing the plot. This, yes! this is getting edited out. This is just, <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing that um, popped up on my Facebook memories a few days ago was something that that Becky posted. Um, Becky in the dog cage. In the cage. My in-laws. This did not happen. Oh, this yeah. did not happen. <laughs> yep. There definitely wasn't a person yes, who was in a cage. No, yeah. <laughs> certainly not, no. No, and if they were, we would have fed them with yes, macaroni and cheese. Yes, it through the roof of the cage. Do you know, that craft macaroni cheese occupies about 20% of my brain every day. I, I can't stop. You can never escape. And I can't access it. Now I just want to eat some macaroni cheese as well. Why can't I get hold of it in the UK? <laughs> it's so good. I'm sorry, I can't think of Be I can't think of Becky without going scan, <laughs> scan, scan. That came up on my Facebook feed recently as well. It was it was yeah. brilliant. Oh. I think the supermarket Wal Walmart was the highlight of my of my uh, trip. My, my favorite thing. My favorite thing that I saw was um, some horror, some horrible, very very processed thing called The Sauce is the Boss, <laughs> yeah. which has a slogan that only works in an American The Sauce is the Boss. Sauce is the Boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it had an asterisk <laughs> that said, add hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, those kind, of, those kind of messages are important in the United States, you know. 
Now everybody's like, this is like, right, I think we need an open investigation now, a safeguarding investigation. What's this kit losing the plot and then putting someone in ca- kids in cages? <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> well, weren't you all like, like playing like hide and seek? Like, and I, well, I was out doing something and I came back and it was, it was dead quiet. And the, Becky was, Becky yeah. had put, either you had or she had put herself in a dog crate. And like, and they were like, they've all left me here. And I'm like, what's going on? But like, <laughs> The other two teachers were in on it as well. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> there were some brilliant hiding places in that. So Daniel managed to get himself into some <laughs> weird high place. I managed to shut myself in the cupboard under a sink. <laughs> <laughs> Again, my in-laws, this did not happen. You know, <laughs> this is this is Tom's creative uh, license. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much art. Oh, oh. Well, I hope everybody is getting the sense um, of the joy and the pleasure and the privilege and the pride you can get of being a teacher and especially being a teacher to such wonderful individuals such as yourself. Um, I I said it at the top, I'll say it again now, that is going to be that trip. Well, not just that trip, but working with you in general was such a privilege, like from when we were preparing for the trip, you know, doing all those things after school and, and, you know, doing fundraisers and doing little learning things and just having a laugh and a joke, you know, things like that mm-hmm. to, as you, you already mentioned, Tom and Nath, you know, going on the trip to, to Cambridge and, you know, and everyone blames because you were the leaders of that trip, everyone blaming you that they had to walk miles and miles and miles and miles. On that <laughs> but, but it, all of it, all of it is just, oh, it's precious to me. It's precious to me. And, and teachers listening know how, how that feels. I think a lot of them are envious that I get the chance to speak to you again, you know, after so many years now. And, and, but and I know a lot of teachers are still in contact with their ex-students and this is what it's like, everybody. So when everybody hears about, Oh, how can you be a teacher? You, you, how can you work with teenagers? Stuff like that. Listen, you're listening. The reason why, because they are wonderful human beings and they just continue to grow and make you proud. And it's just, and it's just, um, yeah, you know, you, you, you've, you know, you're my ex-students, but you've also become some of my closest friends as well because of how we've kept in touch and what we've managed to share, you know, when we spent that small amount of time in, in, in Bozeman. And I just want to say just thank you for being amazing and being yourselves because it's just it's just incredible. And I'm going to start crying if I don't stop. So, <laughs> Well, I'm going to speak on behalf of all of us, I think. Well, you know, thank you as well. It was such a rare and amazing opportunity. And... Honestly, whenever I think about it, I am so bewilderingly amazed at how lucky I was to be able to be part of the trip and to share these experiences with with all of you. Um, It it feels like, you know, every day there's something that reminds me of something we did, something I learned, something I experienced, whether it's something funny and personal, like Devon having his Marmite confiscated at customs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, or something some of the more academic stuff and you know the way I I now I I see our increasing temperatures and I start thinking about the fire risk and how we Mm. have to become custodians Mm. of our our land like never before because I remember in America we were saying about how you have to sort of curate the land for its fire risk yeah and so there's so many varied experiences that remind me of that and that i've learned from so really thanks thanks for the experiences you gave us 
Thank you oh, very much. Thank it, you, was, right? it was it was it was absolutely amazing. And yeah, thank you. Honestly, when I look back on it now, I find myself amazed that it was actually a real thing that happened. Yeah, thank you so much. What a feat to take twelve teenagers. I'd I'd never when when teachers take kids on overseas field trips they they vast majority of the time they use third parties or they use packages or stuff like that or or you know or or travel agents and stuff like that and and um yeah so and when people when I told told people that I did it almost all off my own back you know all of the preparation all of the logistics and everything like that um yeah they were they said I was I was mad but I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of my family you know without my my wife's family because if they didn't say you can have the house for 10 days and then my father-in-law George who 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 um sends his regards um you know without him being there to kind of keep an eye on us and making sure we weren't you know hiding in too many cupboards or something, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> then I wouldn't have been able to do it anyway they they made it so easy for me and and uh, yeah and it's just it's just I wanted when when I when I visited Bozeman for the very first time I wanted to share that with students somehow in some way, whether it was just taking videos and bringing them and putting them back on class or bringing some to there. And I, cause it's such an incredible place. And I was just so, so pleased that you could take that opportunity. So thank you. Yeah. And it's funny, Ro, you mentioned about the fire risk because of course this early this year, there was a wildfire in the Valley where the house mm. was and um, it came that fire, and I'll put a link in the description, everybody, if you want to find out more, because I did a video about it, but that fire came within a mile of the house and almost destroyed, you know, could have destroyed the house. And then, um, so it just goes to show you what you've been saying, Ro, and then like, as you were kind of like clearing the air around the house of, of dead wood, and, you know, as part of your conservation work that, you know, if, you, if you'd have done that earlier, like, like, like last year, you would have literally saved the house. You know, it's, it's amazing stuff, but right. Um, we're going to finish off now with one last thing. This is, you will have loads of fun with this. Um, this is a little segment we call uh, We Are All Geographers. And what it does, it, it's a little thing that links all the podcast guests together. So I get a guest or guests to come up with a word that the following guests have to link to geography or geographical processes. Now, I had a, a lovely chat with some good friends of mine last uh, week, uh, Akira Williams and Chantel Mayo Holloway who are working on um, the Voices Project, which is all about uh, enhancing voices of marginalized people, you know, and, and bringing them into the classroom so you can learn about proper representation, proper voices, proper culture, stuff like that. It's an amazing project. And so I thought they were going to come up with a word for you that was quite profound. You know, maybe they could use the word voices or, or representation or equity or something like that. No, they chose the word squirrels. Yeah. They chose <laughs> the word squirrels. Because nice. I don't know. This. But there you go. So I'm just going to... Now, usually what happens here is that I, for 30 seconds, the guest has just got a riff about the word and how it's geographically related, right? So I don't know. I'm Because there's four of you, I'm going to give 60 seconds and you just come in and you just throw in as much as you like. All right? So the word is squirrels and you've got 60 seconds... I know you can take it in turns, whatever you like, just to say how squirrels are related to geography and geographical processes. I'll tell you what, just who wants to start? Okay. <laughs> yeah, Tom, you can start and you can just give it, you can just give it large for just 15 seconds and then someone else takes over, right? Okay. So I've got my timer. 
Are you ready? So, Tom, you get a naked start. 60 seconds, squirrels and geography. I bet you can't do it. Go. Right. So, yeah, I think I've seen squirrels on trees. Trees are pretty pretty geography-like. I think we can all agree. Trees are green. Green is the colour of geography. Um, squirrels bury acorns, which is a thing about the future. The future is pretty related <laughs> to geography, I'd say, guys. Um, uh, what else do squirrels do? Um, squirrels are animals, actually, and so they're in a food web and therefore an ecosystem. Geography. Well, don't let Tom level the fun. And may I also say there are many varieties of squirrels, you know, also species, but also big ones, small ones. This is all as a result of their environment. Boom. <laughs> um, there's a species called the, the ground squirrel, which we saw multiple times in um, North America in Yellowstone. But it's, nice. it looks like a chipmunk, but it's not a chipmunk. <laughs> it's in fact a different species. Last 10 seconds. Yeah. And finally, I think, um, you know, Squirrels live in trees, as Tom's already said. If you don't have trees, different land use, no squirrels. Whereas, you know, it's all about land use, geography, allowing the squirrels to live with us. Nailed it. Boosh! Nailed it. Yes. Squirrels equals geography. There you go, Akira and Chantel. Can I tell a quick story about squirrels and Nathan? Yeah, score and Tom, off you go. Cut this. I know where I was going. <laughs> Cut this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you know where it was going. So Nathan and I used to go to the same scout group, and um, we had a lot of very weird conversations. And the weirdest, possibly the single weirdest thing Nathan Mitchell has ever said to me, apropos of absolutely nothing, he came up to me at one point and said, Muzzy, would you ever eat a squirrel? Amazing. I was like, yeah, if I had to, I probably would. And he looked at me and nodded and was like, good. Who do you think would win a squirrel eating contest? (laughs) Amazing! <laughs> Inspired! Yes! <laughs> yes, Nathan, you win. You win the podcast. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Right, I don't know how we're going to come up with a word between the four of you now for, for my next guest. Now, <laughs> what are we going to come up with then? So, whatever you so wish, for the, for the next guest to try and link to the word geography. I'll get, I'll, um, actually, I'll give you a bit of a, a, bit of a heads up. The next person I'm speaking to, what I think he still is, um, a National Geographic explorer. Is is the word geography too meta? Too way too meta. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, in the field where it says, "Tell me something that you believe is as far removed from geography or a passion for the world as possible." He has put that is this is his words like verbatim, right? That's actually an impossible question. He's laid down the gauntlet there. Can we use the word impossible? Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. Yeah, I like can that. Can we use that? Can we just really, yeah, literally take the words out of his mouth and just... <laughs> yeah. We're going to go with the word impossible. Right. Okay. Oh, this has been so, so, so lovely. So to finish off then, um, what I'd like to uh, go around the go around the table and uh, just if any of you have got any any shout outs, I know, I know we, we want, obviously want to shout out to the other USA 2012 crew that's mm-hmm. an obvious shout out that we're going to give to everybody so um so see if i remember i'm going to i'm going to embarrassingly miss someone out now so we have greg devon daniel jessica sam uh <laughs> alice miss story miss skinner becky eleanor there that's it and then you four do i get it yeah right so I'm going to go clockwise how I have you. So, Ro, do you have any uh, shout-outs to give? Shout-out to my parents always. Um, but, yeah, my sister, massively. Oh, um, Sam. Yeah. 
She's ah, oh, she's my rock. You know, she's always there. Also, shout out to my the company I work for, my my new job. Shout out to Cat Zero, which is a charity um, that supports sort of long term unemployed people in the area. So wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, good solid work. No, hi, hi to all those folks at Cat Zero. Nathan, we we might as well do siblings, eh? Adele. Yeah, we'll, we'll get siblings out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Adele. Um, yeah, um, yeah, um, and then finally, um, shout out to Ollie Pimblett. You said you were going to listen, so I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> That's it. That's the only person I'm going for. And then they come back back with regards to getting you out and like hiking on the Plymouth Hills. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Musgrove. Who should I go for? So, obviously, my parents, obviously, Duncan, because apparently we're all doing siblings. Um, shout out to Laura, who specifically told me not to do this. Um, <laughs> she said, do not start talking about me on the podcast. Um, <laughs> we're still together. We're about to move in together in a week's time after four years doing a ridiculously long distance <gasps> relationship. I'm about to sing up a month of right everybody right stop 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 when you guys were like 15 and you were you came into my classroom at lunchtime just to get away from all the other school hubbub and there was you two sometimes with some other friends as well there was you two sitting there blissfully with each other playing logic games (laughs) (laughs) yeah you knew it was match made in heaven yeah (laughs) 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 oh that's amazing yeah do send laura our regards yeah and uh, so yeah so anyone else to shout um i'll I'll give tom not a shout out as well because he will want us and he actually did do geography at at uni so he'll probably feel a bit aggrieved if he gets he gets left out and uh who else oh yeah so um does anybody know what a bear's lifespan is why do I feel I should know this? I, I, I appreciate that this is a weird question. Well, like, we should all know uh, this. We all we went a... to a bear sanctuary. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, we saw some pretty excellent bears. 30, 35. Okay. Oh, nice. Oh, they're definitely still be around and kicking then. Right. Shout out to that bear that we saw in Yellowstone. It yeah, was pretty cool. Also, all the ones at the sanctuary. They were rad. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. Shout out to Grizzly... Um... Bill Tester, I think, do they still? Or Montana Grizzly Experience, yeah. I think it's Bill and Amy Tester. I think they still run the place. So, yeah, nice uh, shout out to to, um, to all the folks there. Uh, I hope they're still going. Um, they had some land rights issues and they got some brilliant support with crowdfunding and stuff like that. So I hope they're still going and everything that's going on. So, yeah, that's a lovely shout out, Tom. Right. And then finally, last but not least, Emma, anyone you would like to say hi to? Um, shout out to... My family, my mum and dad, my sister, Francesca, and uh, my partner, Spike. And big shout out to my cohort who have just also finished or just finishing their masters. Um, very inspiring, interesting folk. Well, Road, Nathan, Emma and Tom, oh, my, my heart and soul are full now. Um, this has been absolutely wonderful. We we keep saying that we need to catch up more often, and we we should do. We should most certainly do, and we'll try and get more of the gang back together again, remotely if not. And then when all this when all this nonsense blows over, and and as many of us are back in uh, Norfolk, we'll uh, we'll go out for another meal like we did before and, and whatnot, because that'll be something that we'll have to look forward to. But uh, thank you all, and it's just oh, I love you all so much, and uh, yeah, just thank you for being you. It's just been amazing. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for organising it all and sorting it all out. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having us, and thanks for taking us to America. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favourite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging. You've got to come and stick up for your side of the story now. Yeah, too right and all. Yeah, the challenge has been laid down. But um, <laughs> just just before we move on to the next bit, I've just dropped it on the floor. This this bit is definitely getting edited out. What a muppet! Um, <laughs> oh, where did it go? It's funny. It's this treasured thing that I just had in my on my person. I've just dropped it on the floor somewhere. Aha! Uh-huh. Is it? No, that's not it. That's a piece of cardboard. <laughs> Oh I relate to this so much. This would be really, really, really amusing if you out. just lost it yeah. forever at this point. I don't know where it's gone. It was just right here. It was a this is brilliant. Mum and Dad, Tom. I mean, the only problem is that we don't. We're not going to have any of the video going That's with it. Right. And um, for everybody, for everybody just listening to this on the audio, the video is absolutely hilarious. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, I've just uh, no. <laughs> okay, that's just embarrassing now. I just had it right in my hand. Oh, you know me. I can be sometimes a Muppet like that. So this prize possession has just gone missing forever. (laughs)